Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, guys. How are y'all? Y'all sound fantastic. I love hearing you guys sing. Man, where'd all you people come from? It's like there was nobody here at 1030. Turn around, it's like full house. So thank you guys so much for being here today. If you're watching online, we just want to say thank you for joining us online today. I want to, I want to do something that I don't do very often. Just grab somebody's hand next to you, and we're going to pray. If you're, if you're able or close to somebody... Just grab somebody's hand. We're going to pray. Father God, I pray right now, Father, for today. God, I pray that everyone in here understands, God, that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we don't fight alone. God, that we're never alone. God, you put people in our lives to hold us up. God, you put people in our path, Lord, that we can hold up. God, you've put us in this thing together. God, we're committed to this thing. Nothing will stop this thing. God, we pray right now for unity within your church. I pray for the needs of the church right now, God. Whatever people are going through, God, you know. And God, I pray peace over them. I pray unity within the body. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, the thing the enemy fears most is a unified church. A unified church. A church that stands together. Because he's always looking for a crack. He's always looking for the weak link to attack. This morning during our devotion time, we were praying. I just saw this picture of, you know, that game Red Rover when you were a kid, right? Red Rover, Red Rover, let the weakling come over because you didn't call anybody strong. So you're getting knocked over. But, you know, when, it's your, when they name your name, you're like, okay, who am I going to plow over, right? So you look out and you scan everybody like, no, no, oh, yeah. The kid's got fear in his eyes. I'm coming after him, right? And so you run as fast as you can. And you try to get through. But... And, and you size them up, you're like, I can get past that kid because that kid's right, a little, little weakling. But what matters is not only his strength, but also the person that's holding his hand. And when we all hold each other's hands, we're inseparable. And the enemy knows that he can't get through. And he can say, road, rover, road, rover. Satan, come on over, try to get through. He's not going to get through. He can't. So that's the unified church. And we're talking today about Acts 15, Acts chapter 15. So if you're Bibles, you can turn to Acts 15. This really is about unity. It's about circumcision. It's about grace. But really, this chapter and, what, and what we're, what's recorded here that Luke records in Acts chapter 15 is really about unity within the church because all along as we've been reading Acts, we've seen that anytime the apostles go out and the disciples go out and they start, people start coming to faith, there's always this group that comes right behind them and starts to cause dissension and division. And Paul, especially, as he's preaching to the Gentile believers, as, he's, as people are getting converted uh, left and right, these Judaizers or these Jewish, uh, mostly Pharisee, Pharisees come in and they start telling 
the, the people that are getting saved, it's great that you love Jesus, but you got to do all these other things to be saved. That's not the only thing that saved you. And so in this moment in Acts 15, we read that the church puts a stake in the ground and says, no, this is what we believe. This is why we believe it. And this is what really saves you. And I'm so glad that they had this council meeting in the book of Acts because our church service would probably look a whole lot different if they didn't do this. And I know for a lot of you, if I had a salvation moment, an altar moment, you probably would not come up. And I'll get to that in a minute. You're like, I don't know why, but we're going to get to it. So here's what it would look like. It's like, okay, you want to get saved? Okay, accept Jesus. Now come up. We got to do some circumcision right now so you can be saved. And you guys would be like, no, I ain't going up there, right? <laughs> it would look a whole lot different. So I'm glad that these guys made this decision led through the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open it up to Acts chapter 15. And, and while I was reading this and, and writing the notes, I thought of this song. It's an old song. I'm about to date myself here from the, from the band called Rush. Any Rush fans in here? You know, Tom Sawyer, all these good songs. Uh, there was a song called Trouble in the Forest. And it, there's trouble in the forest, right? Because the oaks and the maples were fighting. The oaks were big and tall, and they had all the sun, and the maples were like, give us some sunshine. And the oaks were like, why can't you just be happy in your shade? And so the, the song goes on, and at the end of it, it talks about them being equal because they've all been chopped down. And, and so nobody really won there. And so as you read Acts 15 and, and what's going on at the church, you see this moment where if they don't make the right decision, if they're not really led by the Holy Spirit here and really, and really stand firm on the doctrines that they believe, there's going to be some things, there's going to be really uh, a disunified church, and the church would not be as strong as it is today. So we're going to open up in verse 1 here. And so while Paul, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers this Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. But Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. That's almost arguing violently with these men. No. And then finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. There's, like, there's a big commotion going on. We got to get this solved. Paul and Barnabas come home. We're going to discuss this. Accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. And so the church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers, and they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them, but then some of the believers, who there's always the some of believers, I don't know what it is about some of these people, but some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. And so the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you so some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? 
We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by his grace. See, Jesus takes us as we are. And I think a lot of us, we we feel like, because I was like this, oh, I can come to church when I get my act together. I can come to God when I straighten this out. Maybe when I get past this addiction, I can, I can come to God and God will forgive me and maybe I can get saved. Maybe when this is out of my life or maybe when this lines up, but I'm telling you, God accepts you as you are. He do, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how messed up you are or how far you're, or how, how deep into things you are. God accepts you as you are. His grace is what saves you. It's nothing that you can do on your own. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And these men were coming up and arguing. He's like, I mean, that's, that's great. Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that. But you got to be a good Jew. You can't just be a Christian. You got to be a good Jew. You got to follow all these laws. You got to follow all these rules. You got to be circumcised. You got to follow all our dietary issue, the restrictions. You got to go to the temple. You got to sacrifice. You got to do all these things. You got to follow our our holiness laws, and, and, and they're telling guys, look, we can barely even do this. And we've been raising this our whole life. And you're expecting these new converts to come in and change everything about their life and about their culture. And I think it's sad that, that we as the church often do that to people. I think of in Africa where, where missionaries go into Africa and they, they kind of take away their whole cultural uh, persona and they make, and I, I, but they go in there, they're wearing suits and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're dressed and they talk just like the people that came and saved them. But here's the thing about Christianity, here's the thing about Jesus, is God created all of that. And, and we get to keep who we are, but it's, it becomes redeemed and it becomes something better. It becomes something holy and good. But yet, here we are always trying to earn our way to God. We're always trying to add to the gospel. And these disciples in this moment, these apostles in this moment are saying, we don't need to add to the gospel anything. All we need to do is just say that we are saved by his grace, and it's undeserved. It's undeserved. And there may be people in here today you're trying to earn his grace, and you think, man, I don't deserve it. And I tell you, you're right. You don't deserve it. Not at all. In fact, you deserve quite the opposite. Because here's what grace is. Grace is giving you something that you do not deserve. It's showing mercy when you don't deserve it. It's grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, he gave us salvation, even though We didn't deserve it because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing. Do we get that? I want to read Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. Paul here is arguing with the believers, these very believers that he just got back from. So I'm going to leave a backdrop about Galatians. Galatians was written quickly after the first missionary trip, which we talked about last week. So Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He stays there for about a year. And during this time, he writes to the Galatian, the, the Galatian churches. It's not just one church. It's actually an area. And in that, in that area uh, is uh, the city of Antioch, Lystra, 
and I didn't write it down. I should have. Uh, and, and another town that we talked about. Um, and, and in that area, he, he went in and he met all this resistance, right, from these guys trying to come in and, and stop the work of God. And now he's writing to these Galatian believers. And Galatians is all about circumcision. It's all about the grace of God. So when you read Galatians, if you read the whole thing through, that's what he's really trying to get across. He's like, guys, it's not about the outward stuff. Christianity is not about the outward stuff. It's about what Christ did in you. That's what matters. And so he's telling the Galatian church there, and he's reminding the Galatian church what Christ has done. And I can imagine as Paul and Barnabas were arguing vehemently, like we read with the first guys, it probably sounded something like he was writing to the Galatian church in verse 5, because I want you to really look at this, and we're going to grasp something out of it today. And so he says this, So Christ has truly set us free. Do you know that? (laughs) That he has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Guys, a lot of us, it's easy to get free. It's harder to stay that way. We have to stay free. It's like, stay free. Don't go back to where you came from. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. He's like saying, listen to me, guys. I'm the ones that came. Remember, I came. I preached this gospel. I planted these churches. I put these elders in place. I come here with authority, and I'm telling you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God, By being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. No pun intended. You have fallen away from God's grace. It's saying, guys, if you're trying to earn God's grace, you're not going to earn it. He's like, if you do this, Christ has no value to you. Look, if there was any other way, if there was any other way to God, if there was any other way to God besides Jesus, I'm sure then Jesus wouldn't need to come at all. Why would Jesus need to come if there was another way to get to the Father? That's why the gospel is so offensive to many people. Because we claim that he's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. Like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, what if I'm a good person? What if, I, what if I'm moral? What if, you know, I give more than you. I do more than you. I, I do all these things better than a lot of believers. Won't, that, won't Jesus just let me in? No. It has nothing to do with your morality. And just get what I'm saying before you get all upset and ruffled feathers. Being saved has nothing to do with about how good you are. Being saved has nothing to do by how much you give away, by how nice you are to people, by how loving you are to people, by how tolerant you are. None of those things get you into heaven. In fact, there's a lot of really moral people in hell today because none of that saves you. If that could save you, then Jesus would not need to come in the first place. Scripture says that our deeds, our good works, our morality, all the things that we think have value, all these things that matter, it's like dirty rags. The Greek, the, the word that he uses there is like menstrual rags. I mean, that's a strong language. He's saying it's gross. There's nothing to it. 
Compared to what God has done, nothing that you do is worthy. And so he says, my grace is what you need. My grace is what you need. I need to send my son to die for you so that you may have life. And he continues on. But we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive the faith by faith, the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ, there is no benefit in, in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. What's important? What, what's your outward sign of being saved? It's this. It, it's your faith being expressed in love. Are you loved? Do you love? Do you love out of your faith? Other translations say faith through, uh, faith through love. Faith through love. It's like we, we, we manifest our faith by our love. Our love for what? Our love for God and our love for people. I was talking to somebody and I talked to a lot of people about this. They're like, man, I'm walking this faith thing out and I'm having a hard time. And, and, and it's like, I just keep falling back into this thing. And I don't even know if I love God anymore. I don't even know if I, if, if he even accepts me anymore. And I, and I look at him, I'm like, well, I said, when you do that thing, do you feel bad about it? He's like, well, yeah. Like, do you have a conviction about, about where you're at or how your attitude or how you, you know, when you did that thing or the thing you keep falling into? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, actually, I do. I'm like, before you knew Christ, did that bother you? He's like, no, not at all. I just did it, didn't think about it. That is, and I tell him, I was like, that's the Holy Spirit in you. He is manifesting Christ's love into your heart. And it's convicting you because he's, he's, he's manifesting the love of God in your life. And because you love God, you want to honor God. That's why it convicts you because you are going against what the person that you love. If I go against my family or my wife, if I do something against them, it's going to hurt me because I love them. If I truly love them, it's going to hurt me too. And that's what happens when we continually sin and God's continually saying, come on, I got something better for you. I got something better for you. Come up higher. I've got something better for you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you're like, I don't know, God, I don't think you can love me. He's like, no, I love you. That's why you feel this way, because I'm trying to get you into a new place. That's faith manifesting itself in love, love for God, and then love for people. Do you love people? Like truly love them? Despite what they do to you? Despite how they treat you? That's hard. It's hard to love people. People are hard to love. Even as a pastor, some guys, some of you guys are hard to love. You, you, you're what we call EGRs. What's an EGR? Extra grace required. Right? Extra grace required. But do you really love people? Do you see the best in them? And, and what is really loving people? It, it's putting yourself, it's sacrificing self for the good of other people. You don't have to have your way because you love that person enough to say, you know what? It's not that big a deal. You do you, like you do that. That's fine. I don't have to have my way. I'm going to choose to 
surrender my right for your right. We don't like that in America, right? My rights are my rights. No. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, the only right you have is to love people. That's a hard thing. And I'm going to tell you, if your faith is not expressing itself in love or through love, then maybe your faith is tied to something other than God. What do I mean by that? If you're constantly frustrated, you're constantly angry at other people or constantly frustrated at a certain thing, maybe your faith isn't in God because obviously that thing shouldn't bother you the way that it should because I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says frustration is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't, I don't read that. I don't, I've tried to find it because if I could find that, it would just justify me. Right? I'm like, yes, I knew it. No. The fruit of the Spirit, as you read in later in further down in Galatians, is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If, if something else is producing those other things in your life, then it's not God. It's yourself, or maybe it's the enemy. We need to let those things go, and we need to let our faith manifest itself through love. we got to love people. How do you love people? You forgive them. You give them grace. The grace that God's given to us, we give back to them. Romans says this, that even though we were sinners, even though we were at war against God, he still came. And he gave us grace and he died for us. Can you do that for people? Can, can you really truly give them grace even when they're being ugly and nasty and mean to you? Jesus says this, pray for your enemies. I'll pray for them. God, you get them. <laughs> right, I'll pray for them. But no, pray good over their life. That's love. It's like, what can happen to me? I'm saved. My eternity's secure. What can I gain on this earth? Kill this body. Big deal. Big deal. I know where I'm going. I'm more concerned about where you're going. I'm more concerned about your soul. My soul's good. That's love. To truly love somebody is to care about their soul. And that's hard. The rest of Galatians reads this way, verse 7. He gets on to him here. It's like, guys, you were doing so good. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. Guys, you have to keep your eyes there. Stop getting your theology off TikTok, please. I mean, there's some good stuff out there, but there's some crazy, weird stuff out there. Know the truth. Know the truth. Watch out for false doctrine. Watch out for false teachers. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachers. And this is a warning for those who teach, and this is a warning for people who, who, who handle the word of God. God will judge that person whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Those who teach, have a, they're going to be judged a little stricter. So dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you, were, you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be 
offended? Why do people, are they so offended about Christianity? It's this. The cross of Christ is what saves you. It's not good works. It's not how good you are. It's not how, how, how much you do or you give. It's about Christ Jesus and his work on the cross. It's offensive to some. To say, what do you mean Jesus is the only way? Isn't there lots of ways to heaven? Isn't there lots of ways to the Father? No, Jesus is the only way. Grace through faith in Jesus. Like I said, if we could be saved any other way, Jesus wouldn't come. Jesus in the garden, with blood pouring off his face, he prayed this to the Father. He said, Father, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, your will be done. Jesus himself said, God, if there's any other way, if I don't have to go through this pain, if I don't have to die for these people, God, please. God's like, there's no other way. Jesus said, okay. Thank God he said, okay. I just wish, I love Paul here. So nice. That those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. He's saying, just let them cut it all the way off. It's like, if you want, if, if you just, I wish they would just, you know, become eunuchs. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. This is what we need to understand to satisfy your sinful nature. This is the scandal of grace, guys. This is the scandal of grace. Like, God, but what do you mean I'm saved by grace? Doesn't my, doesn't my morality have something to do with it? Don't my good works have something to do with it? Well, I'm telling you, when you're saved by grace, you naturally start to do the things that God wants you to do. Because the law is written on our hearts and in our minds. And so we naturally, through the Spirit, start to manifest his law in our life. It's not that we're trying to keep the law so that we're saved, but we naturally, because we love God, we want to do what God wants. So it has nothing to do with how good we are. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, he goes, do this instead. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up for you in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying each other. Paul is telling you, he's telling us, you're, you're saved by grace. And because you're saved by grace, build unity within the body. Don't use your freedom to say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Now, if you can't handle it, too bad. Unity is what's important in the body of Christ. That's why. When they got together and they made this decision of how we should move forward as a church in this council in Acts 15, they made the decisions that they did. But I want to hit one more point before I come back to the rest of Acts. If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, I want to read this passage to you. Paul is again telling us what, 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 what Christ has done and, and what circumcision symbolizes and how now through Christ, it's been accomplished. So we don't have to do that. So in Colossians 2.11, he says this, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. I was? I don't remember that, right? <laughs> I think I remember that. <laughs> but not a physical procedure. 
Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. He goes, for if you are buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You are dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. He's using this terminology. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of your sins. You might underline that. <laughs> you might circle that. You might highlight it. All of your sins, past, present, and future. God forgave them all. He canceled the record, threw it out the window, burned it, shredded it, whatever they do nowadays, deleted it. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. Basically, he took the power of sin away. The penalty of sin was gone. Like, the authority is like, nope, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. And Jesus is like, no, you don't have no authority here. He took, the, he took it away. He took the, the, the spiritual rulers and authority. He took the power away from them, disarmed them. He shamed them publicly by victory over them on the cross. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. We are now saved through Christ Jesus, nothing else. And the circumcision that, that we talk about now is not a physical one, it's a spiritual one. He has cut away the sin in our life. And we are made right with God through Christ Jesus. That's why he talks about baptism here. I want to take a moment to kind of plug baptism. Baptism is an important part of the faith. It doesn't save you, no matter what other, some other denominations think. Baptism does not save you. Christ saves you. Yes. Baptism is a symbol of that salvation. It, it's a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. If you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized through water and through the Spirit. <laughs> you need to get baptized. And so I've talked to several people, and several people want to get baptized. So we planned a baptism day. August 14th, we're going to do some baptisms. So if you want to do that, just sign up. We'll get you baptized on the 14th. We're going to have a big celebration. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be right after VBS, well, the VBS weekend. So we're going to have a bunch of kids, and we're praying that some of those kids come to faith and they get baptized. And we're going to have a water slide outside, so we may do it outside the water slide. I don't know about that. We'll do it in the, in the tub. Yes. <laughs> then you go slide on the slide. But we're saved by faith. That's the only thing that saves us. Do you get that? I, I keep harping on this, but do you get that? So let's read the rest of, of Acts. Let's go back to Acts chapter 15. And he says this. I want to read the rest. This is where the unity part comes in, and it's so important. Everyone listen quietly, because remember they said, we believe that we're all saved the same way. Like you were saved, I was saved, they were saved all in the same way through the Lord Jesus Christ, the undeserved grace of Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told them about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. He's saying, look, we can't, argue, we, we can't deny what God's doing through the Gentiles. I mean, you Jews are saved and these Gentiles are saved. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. God's doing amazing things through them. Who can argue what God's doing in their life? How can we keep them from, from coming to faith? And when they had finished this, James stood up and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from the people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it is 
at it is risen, written, there we go. Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will re rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who has made these things known so long ago. And so he says, it is my judgment then that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to do a few things. Do this. Abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So James gets up. He speaks wisdom. He's like, the Holy Spirit's telling me to say this right now. Look, we don't need to make it hard for them, but we're going to ask them to do a few things to keep unity in the body. Because when you sit down with Jewish, Jewish people, if you eat blood in front of them, it's going to freak them out because they've been told their whole life, don't drink blood because in the blood is the life force of that thing. That's why when we talk about the blood of Christ, it's so powerful. When we talk about the blood of Christ, it's the life force of Christ in us. When we take communion, it's us symbolically taking the life force of Christ Jesus. I know it's a weird thing, but that's, that's what happens. It's symbolically. And, and so he's telling them, don't drink blood. Don't eat the meat of strangled animals because there's blood in it. It's not drained out. Don't eat animals that have been sacrificed to idols because that's against our holy law. And we sit down with these Jews and we eat. Don't do that. Don't eat, don't eat meat sacrificed by idols. Now, I'm sure when you go to HEB, you're pretty safe, right? I don't, I don't think they've sacrificed the meat to animal, you know, to gods or idols. But back then, that was just standard practice. And back then, it was very even hard for, gen, for anybody to get meat that wasn't sacrificed to an idol. When you go to the markets and it had already been sacrificed to an idol. And so it was almost difficult for them to do that. And as you read, I'm not nerding out on you, but I am. As you read the rest of scripture, it talks about, Paul repeatedly tells them, look, don't offend people by what you eat. If you think it's been sacrificed to an idol, don't eat it. Like if you're, if you're sitting down with your Jewish friends and they're not, I'm not going to eat that. Say, sorry, man. I like steak. I like bacon. Sorry, bro. You're out. No. So don't eat it. Keep the unity. That's the most important thing. And do I need to explain sexual morality to you? Not that I don't think so. It's like, just don't do that. Right? Look, keep the unity. That's what James is saying. Let's keep unity within the body because God's doing something powerful here. God's doing something amazing. We have to keep pushing forward and keep moving on in unity. And sometimes that means we got to give up some things for the good of other people. Sometimes that means you got to give up your blood stew as the Romans loved. You got to give it up for the good of other people. Unity is what is the most important thing of all. So we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. Did I give you the, the full scripture of Romans back there? Okay, if you can throw that up, up there so I can read it. I'd like your Christian to go ahead and play something and I want to get the, the prayer team up here because I'm, I'm going I'm to ask God how he wants to do this. 
For some of you, this was like, but for some of you, it hit you right in the heart because your whole life, you've been trying to earn God's love. You've been trying to earn God's approval. God has been beckoning you to come and you're like, God, I'll come to you when I get this, when I get this straightened out. God, when I break this addiction, I'm going to come to you. God, I'll come back to you when I get my life straightened out. Some of you have even grew up in church and you gave your life to Jesus at a young age and you've walked away from him and you haven't come back to him. And you keep telling him and you keep telling yourself, Lord, when I get, when I get right, then I'll come back to you. I'm not worthy to come to you. And he's saying, no, just come. I accept you as you are. Let me do the work in your life. Let me save you. Let me give you freedom. It's his jobs, not ours. He does the work. We just allow him to do it. And so I just feel like there's some people in your day that, that just need a fresh touch from God because they haven't truly came back to him. There's people running. And today I want you to run home to the Father. Today. And there may be people in here that you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never understood it. This grace thing just seems too good to be true. Maybe I just say yes to Jesus. Well, you got to do more than that. Scripture says we need to repent. That means we acknowledge that we're sinful, that we need a Savior. And we turn from that and we turn to God. That's what repentance means, to turn. We turn to him. And we have to confess that Jesus is Lord. Not just Savior, but that he's Lord. I say this a lot of the, a lot of the times. A lot of our issues in life is because we haven't said, Jesus, you're Lord of this. We say, Jesus, you're my Savior, but you're not my Lord. When Jesus is Lord, that's when things change. Because you put yourself under his authority. And there's people today that need to put themselves under his authority. And when you're under his authority, you're under his protection. When you're under his authority, you're under his grace. You're under his mercy. And you're under his love. And so today you need to say yes to Jesus. You need to say, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to repent of my sins. I want to confess that you are Jesus, the son of God the very one who died on the cross for me and gave me a new life that I may live forever and I may be in the Father's house forever. Romans 5, 6 says this. I'm going to read this. I'm going to open up the altars. When you are utterly helpless, meaning you couldn't do anything to get to God, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Every one of us in here. Now, most people would not willingly die for an upright person, Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good or a moral person. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we we're still immoral, while we we're still trying. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. I jumped ahead, sorry. And since we have been made right with God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, 
he will certainly be saved through the life of his son, Jesus. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. That's what it's about. It's about a relationship with God, guys. It's not about keeping a bunch of religious rules. It's about a relationship with him. If you love somebody, you're going to serve them. If you truly love them, you're going to serve them because he has made us right. And now we are friends of God. So here's how we do it. We accept his grace, we repent, and we believe. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So please stand with me. And here's the challenge. If you want to say yes to God today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, just come up. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to, we want to help you. We're going to help you get, help you do that today. Everybody up here, they've been trained. They love you. They love you. They're not going to say anything weird to you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to love you. And they're going to help you. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, think Marty people coming up. Praise God. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, today's the day. Just do it. Come up. And today, man, if you've been running from God and you're like, God, when I get my acts together, then I'll come back. Maybe somebody dragged you to church today and you're amazed that the church didn't catch on fire when you got in here. God loves you more than that. Today is your day. Just come up. Come back to Christ. He's there with his arms wide open saying, come home, come home, come home. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I'm, I'm so in love with you. Come home to me. I will make you right. That's what he's saying today. So if that's you, I just want you to come up. If you need anything else, if you need healing, if you need prayer, if you just need somebody to pray with, to somebody that, you, that just needs to touch heaven with you. Just come up. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you draw everyone up that needs prayer. God, that you draw them up, that they would get past themselves and come up and that you would find them in this place today, God, that you would change your life forever. God, I thank you, Lord, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that nothing we do makes us right with you, Father, but because you loved us with your great love, you died for us on the cross. You took upon yourself our sin and our shame. You took upon yourself our punishment so that we may live. God, you went into bondage on the cross so that we may walk in freedom. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you were resurrected, Jesus, on the third day, and that we look forward to that resurrected life when you come for us. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for today. God, we love you. Just draw everyone up that needs prayer. Lord, I thank you for those that you're saving today through your grace. Lord, I pray that you would just put your presence, put your spirit in them. God, that they would walk with you the rest of their days, that they would not turn back or turn away. God, I pray that you would make us the church. Help us to grab their hand and to, and to lead them into this new way of life. God, help us to be your church and disciple those people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.